Hey, once again, we want to tell you thank you for being here today. Thank you for worshiping the Lord with us. As you notice, we, um, this is kind of an unusual Christmas Eve service. Our, normally our Christmas Eve service is at night, hence the name Eve in it. And, um, but, okay, all right. Y'all going to be a tough audience today. That's all right. Um, anyway, but, so it, but it normally happens during the middle of the week. But this, this year, obviously, it fell on Christmas Day. And so we wanted to incorporate worship into our service because we believe that the theme of our life should actually be a Christmas carol that we're going to be singing in just a few minutes that is, O come, let us adore him. That's what Christianity really is all about. It's about worshiping God and worshiping the creator of the universe. In fact, I I really don't want to say this as a statement, but more as a request for us during this Christmas season to really make sure that Jesus is the reason for the season. It's very easy to, to kind of get lost in the, the gift exchange and all the, the parties that you're going to and all of the meals that you're eating and the too much turkey or ham that you might be eating over the next couple of days to just recalibrate our lives and remember that Jesus is the reason as the season. That to come, let us adore him. And I do want to make this as a statement today for all of us that are here today. And that is, until you come to a place where your entire passion and devotion is unto the Lord, you will always find yourself in the search for something significant in your life. You'll always be looking for something, trying to discover the purpose in your life. And everything else that you place significance in outside of God is always going to come up short. It's always going to leave you wanting more. See, the truth is is that every one of us here today, everyone in the entire world in which you and I live in, is a worshiper. The question isn't if we're worshiping. The question is, what are we worshiping? We're all worshiping something. And I think that the question that we need to ask ourselves is, is the thing that you're worshiping satisfying you? Are you finding fulfillment in the thing that you're worshiping? Because if it's outside of Jesus Christ, I know that it isn't. And that's why, and most people don't even know why. They don't don't know why they have a hole in their heart. Why there's this emptiness inside of them. Why their life doesn't seem to add up. Why there's this longing inside of them that seems so unfulfilled. So what you'll constantly do is you'll go after something to try to get that thing to satisfy you. And that thing is a horrible God in your life, whether it's a relationship, whether it's your work, whether it's recreation, whatever it would be. And so you'll you'll search for that thing. And the problem in our lives often is that Jesus is not at the center of our life. That's what we talked about last week. We talked about the nativity scene and how important the setup of the nativity scene is, that in the nativity scene, Jesus has to be at the center of our life and how easy it is for us to put our job in the center of our life, or our family in the center of our life, or recreation. Now, are those things good things? Absolutely, they're good things, but they're not God things. They're not the highest priority of our life. In fact, if you're not careful, it's easy for you to put your sports team at the center of your life. Come on, Cowboy fans, y'all hear me today? It's easy, and they'll disappoint you. In fact, I was sharing last week that we a lot of times put our hope in 20-year-old men right? To to bring satisfaction into our life. We'll put relationships at the center of our life. And if you are single and you want that relationship and you think you're going to find fulfillment in there, I'm telling you that it's only Jesus that can satisfy you. And everyone is searching for that thing to satisfy their soul. And again, you'll never be fully satisfied until you come to that place where you surrender your life to Christ and worship him as your Lord and Savior. 
See, in the beginning, when God created you and I, he created you and I body, soul, and spirit. And he created you and I in his image. And when, because we're created in his image, when we haven't fully surrendered our lives to him, there's something missing in our lives that longs to be connected with him. That's why, and in fact, it works with music. There's, there's a longing inside of us that connects with God, and, and it happens even in music, that you hear a song that you heard years ago, and when you hear that song, it takes you back to where you were years ago. You know, I don't know about you, I've got XM Radio, and I listen to 80s on the 8 uh, on, on XM Radio. It takes me back to times in my life. Music is so emotional because there's a spirit that our soul and our spirit connect with it. And that's what it is with God. Our our soul and our spirit long to connect with God. Because see, we are the only part of creation that actually gives worship. Now, all of creation can worship. It can reflect the glory of God. But we're the only part of creation that actually gives, that chooses to give worship. You realize when we worship God, it's actually a choice that you and I get to make. That we get to worship him. Nothing else in creation does that. You'll never be driving down a country road here in the panhandle of Texas and see a group of cows in a circle going, moo, 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 moo. You'll never see it. We are the only part that gets to creation. That's why so much of music affects us and 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 it draws us in. And something we have to understand is that worship is not music. It's one of the ways that we worship, but it's not music. Music, Worship is is a heartfelt lifestyle. It's a connection with, oh, come, let us adore our king today. See, and when Jesus is at the center of your life, and he's the thing that you're worshiping, you can have peace no matter what is happening on the outside of your life. Let me say that again. When, maybe I can say it again. When Jesus is at the center of your life, you can have peace in your life no matter what is happening outside of your life. We, we don't believe that because we're driven by our feelings or we're driven by how important that relationship was or how important that promotion was when God is saying, let me be the center of your life. Why don't you put your trust in me? Pastor Richie, is that really true? Well, here's how Isaiah says it. You, talking about God, will keep him, you and I, in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. See, it's so easy for all of us to get Jesus out of the center of our life and put something else in the center of our life. So I believe that God wants to bring peace into your life today. I believe that God wants to bring, this is the time of year when a lot of people, while a lot of us, this is a wonderful time of the year, and it is the most wonderful time of the year, there's a lot of people that don't have the peace of God in their life during this time of the year. And God wants to bring peace into your life today. And for some of you, it, it's already happening because you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're already all in. You recognize those times of your life when other things get in the center of your life and you quickly make an adjustment. No, my job is not more important than my relationship with God. No, my, my love for my wife is not more important than my relationship with God. No, this recreational thing that I do is not more important than my relationship with God. You're all in. There are others of you that are here today that you don't know the Savior that I'm talking about today. And there are others of you that, that you know about him, but you have not made the choice to go all in. You, you still have a lot of chips sitting in front of you rather than sliding them all into the middle of the table going, I'm all in. I'm all in with God. See, 
the problem comes is that some of you have tried this, but you tried it with religion. You tried, okay, I'm going to come to Jesus, but I, and I'm going to come and I'm going to obey, obey this rule. I'm going to follow this thing. I'm going to do this thing in my life. And if I do that, God, then here's what you need to do. When God's saying, listen, it's not about religion. It's not even about church. That's who we are, but it's not about what we're doing right now. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's putting Jesus in the center of your life, making sure that everything else in your life revolves around him. Oh, come, let us adore him. It's my prayer for you in 2018 that you'll make it a priority to say, God, I want this year to be a year when Christmas isn't going to end on December 25th, but Christmas is going to be celebrated in my heart and life all year long. Oh, come, let us adore him. Because you see, every one of us here today, we're on a worship journey. We're on a spiritual journey, if you will. And right in the middle of the Christmas story, there are these, these we think there are three wise men or, or three kings, and they were on a worship journey. And I want, want you to understand something about this that you may have never understood before, and that's this. They had a God, and they had a religion. They had something that they were worshiping, but it was not satisfying them. In fact, check this out in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. It says this, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. Now I want you to notice the word Magi. The word Magi refers to a religious group of priests. And the closest thing that we would really have to this today is for people who are into the Zodiac People who their, their lives kind of revolve around the stars, and I'm not talking about Hollywood stars. I'm talking about the constellations in their life. That, that their whole life, that they're going to have a good day when the stars are lined up right. When the stars aren't, they're not going to have quite as good of a day. It's actually witchcraft and sorcery. That's what the Magi were into, which I think is pretty cool that God doesn't wait for us to be perfect before he starts to draw us to him. That he wants to draw us right now in the midst of all of our problems and difficulties in our life. So, in fact, Magi is actually where we get our word magic. So they came from the east, which, by the way, is modern day Iran or Iraq, and based on all the world events, it kind of blows away our Christmas story here a little bit, doesn't it? But the next verse really gives us the clue to finding significance in our life. Watch what the wise men did. And they came from the east and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. They recognize that their current religion, their current God, their current center, if you will, the thing that was sitting on the throne of their life wasn't satisfying them. So they ask, where is the one? Where is this one that we've seen? We've come to worship him. We get going on in verse 3. It says, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed because he is king. He doesn't want there to be another king. And all Jerusalem with him. And when he'd called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. They're going to quote from your Old Testament, the prophet Micah, which by the way, this is a prophecy, one of 400 prophecies about the coming Messiah. All right, It's amazing how God worked throughout the Bible to prophesy about the coming Messiah. And it says this, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Going on in verse 7, it says, Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. 
He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Actually, he didn't want to worship him. He actually wanted to kill him. Going on, verse 9, it says, And after they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen, now watch this, when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Now, this is significant because every one of us that are on this search, and sometimes it feels like in our search for significance, it's a moving target. And the reason is, is because we think the satisfaction is found there in relationships. So we get in there and we're not satisfied. Because we're trying to get that person to become something that only God can. So we think it's about our career, or if I just have kids, or if I just made a little bit more money, I would be satisfied. And it feels like a moving target, but there's only one place that the star stopped at. It was over Jesus, the Christ child. And any time that you try to find significance in any other place, I'm telling you today, it's going to leave you empty. It may satisfy for a short while, but it's going to leave you empty. There's only one place that your search will end. And again, it isn't in religion. It isn't in, well, I'm going to sign up and I'm going to do this, by golly. It's, about, it's found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, I love my job. I absolutely love what I get to do as a pastor because what I get to do is I get to point you to the only place you're going to find significance in your life, in Christ Jesus. And you're going to discover your purpose in Christ Jesus. Going on in verse 10, it says, and when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. When they opened their treasures and presented him with the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. There's something I want you to notice and all of us to notice today from this passage, and that is this. There is always something in your life that is competing for your worship. You're never going to arrive at a place as a child of God and a follower of Jesus Christ that the enemy is not going to try to bring something in your life that's competing for your worship. You see, there is a Herod in every one of our stories. There is a Herod that wants to destroy the destiny in your life. And in fact, Satan's ultimate goal is not just to be wicked and nasty. He is all that. But it's to keep you away from or lure you away from worshiping God. That in one moment, Jesus is the center of your life. And in the next moment, your children are the center of your life. So the enemy's always after us, and he'll, he'll use good things in our life. He'll use family. He'll use work and try to get us to place those things at the center of our life. But I'm telling you today, they will not satisfy you. You won't find satisfaction in him. Well, there's always a Herod that's trying to distract you. I'm, I'm glad to tell you today that there's always a star that is leading you to the place of contentment and fulfillment. And again, it's what we see happening, that God will creatively use things to get you to where you need to be. He knows the way that you're wired, just like he used magi who were astrologers to use a star to draw them to Jesus Christ. He'll find out exactly the thing in your life that you need to hear, the creative element of God to lead you to understand the purpose, plan, and design that God has for your life because he wants to get your attention. He wants you to understand the path of life. God is not a God that is trying to hide the path of life from you. He's trying to get you to discover the place where your life matters because you've discovered Christ in your life. And when you enter into a relationship, not because some religious duty and relationship, but you enter into a relationship where you're worshiping him, 
He becomes the center of your life. He becomes the the driving force. He becomes the passion of your life. That's why I'd like to encourage you today, if you're here today, and you don't have a place of worship to, to consider Amarillo Fellowship or consider some place as a place of worship where you can come and worship God so that you can walk out the purpose that God has for you. So how do I do that? Well, let me close this morning with, with three things that the Magi did that I believe that we need to do. The first thing is they bowed. Simply bowed. It's about surrendering our lives completely to him. It's putting God in first and best in our life, not giving him what's left over. It means that when we are thinking about being a part of a body, a local body, we don't stay up till 4 o'clock on Saturday night to drag into church on Sunday morning. It's about putting God in a position that he is first and best in our lives, prioritizing him. It's a position of lordship. It's giving him our lives and making him the center of our lives. It's constantly making those adjustments when other things, because not if, but when other things jump into the center of our life to say, no, I'm thankful for my relationships, but it's not going to be the center of my life. They bowed. The second thing that we saw was that they gave. They gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And it was really more about giving what they had or giving themselves completely. Again, it's saying, you know what? I'm all in. I'm all in. I recognize that I am an eternal being. I'm going to live forever. And what I do during this lifetime matters for eternity. And while there are a lot of good things that are going to be pulling at me and distracting at me, I want to make sure that I keep my eye on the one thing, the eternal things, the purposes and plans that God has designed you for and created you for. So it's about giving our lives completely to him. Here's the third and final thing. They went back a different way. I know that's a geographical thing that they didn't pass through Jerusalem to see Herod, but I believe they went back different. Listen, you can't really have an encounter with Jesus and not be changed. You can have an encounter with religion and not be changed. You can have an encounter with with just some rote thing that that is not a really all-in heart-surrendering thing and not be changed, but you can't have an encounter with the love of Jesus and not be forever changed. In fact, I'll tell you this, if you will fall in love with who Jesus actually is, you won't ever want to go back to that place anymore that didn't bring satisfaction. You'll discover such incredible satisfaction in a relationship with God that you're saying, I'm never going back there. But again, you can't make living for Jesus a duty or a responsibility. That doesn't mean that you don't get up sometimes on Sunday morning and the devil's saying, hey, let's sleep in today. And you have to make a choice to say, no, I'm not going to sleep in. I'm going to get up and go to church because I want to grow in my revelation of who God is. But it is understanding that I come out of a, not a sense of duty, but out of this sense of an amazing opportunity to connect with my Savior, to hear about Him, to allow His life that is in me to flow out of me to impact and touch other people's lives. You never know when you show up on a Sunday what a kind word that you say to somebody else, an encouraging word, the impact that it might have in their life. And again, if you ever discover who Jesus is, it'll change your life forever. It really will. So, That's why we ask you to get involved. In fact, what I want to ask you to do is give us one year. Give us one year and get involved here. Don't just show up once every six weeks or so. Get involved. Get involved in our services. 
Make a, make a consistent habit of coming so that you grow in your knowledge of knowing God. See, today is about, Sunday celebration services are all about knowing God. They're about, first of all, people coming to know God. If they're lost and far away from Him, coming to know Him. But then even those of us that know Him, so that we, as Apostle Paul said, might know Him better. So that we understand just how amazing our God is. Get in a small group. In a small group is a place of healing. It's a place where some baggage that you have, and man, we all get baggage from time to time. Even, even those of us that have been followers of Jesus Christ for a long time, if we're not careful, we can pick up baggage. And when I get in groups of people, I can learn how to get rid of some baggage in my life. I can get healed. Go through the growth track. It's just four weeks where you're going to discover the purpose that God has for you so that your life begins to make a difference in other people's lives. Listen, if you'll walk this out, I guarantee you that your life will be changed forever. You give us a year, your life will be changed forever. The outside will change. You'll be amazed at your circumstances that will begin to change. In fact, I watch people come in that are beat up by life and they just, they look old and they just look like they're just depressed and anxious all the time. And I, and I watch God get a hold of their lives and literally in a year or two's time, they look younger. They literally do. They look so much younger just because of what God's doing on the outside. But can I tell you the greatest change that will take place will be the change that's happening on the inside. Suddenly a solid, firm foundation comes in your life that even when the storm is raging around you, you can rest confidently in who God is. That journey begins simply by doing what the wise men did. They bowed down, they gave, and they didn't go back the same way. See, there's some of you that you've, you've given your life to Christ, you, you bowed down, you, you give it, went in, and then you went back the same way. You went back to the Herods in your life. You went back to the same path and you discovered that going back to those maybe friends or going back into that situation kept dragging you down and kept beating you up. Some of you simply just need to make a choice to say, you know what, I'm not going to go back that way again because I recognize that Herod's plan for my life is not a good plan. But I do know that Jesus' plan for my life is a good plan. So I'm going back another way. And what happens is the star begins to rest over who Jesus is and lead you to him. And the, and the light of God's love begins to shine into your life. And see, when the light of God's love begins to shine into your life, it begins to drive the darkness out of your life. That you don't have to walk in darkness anymore. A lot of times we don't even recognize we're walking in darkness because we've gotten so used to it. And God wants to allow his light to shine in us so that we discover that he's a savior. That he has come to be the light of the world. And I want to pray over you today. In fact, I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads. This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit amarillofellowship.com.